0: Today on the How Did You podcast, we're joined by Quinton Johnson, a Call of Duty observer who has been guiding you through matches that you never even known about. That does not work at all, but we'll <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, so, Quentin, how's your day going?
1: My oh, the day's going fine. How about you? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. First and foremost, it,
0: it, my day's going great. It's 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 strange because it's four p.m. here for me, and I'm assuming it's eleven p.m. eleven a.m. for you.
1: Yeah. And not like early early morning but really getting into the, like the swing of the day sort of thing
0: but definitely cool. um let's go back to old times and let's reminisce of when you were a child what kind of job did you expect to be doing was it anything game wise or anything like that
1: When I was a kid, I think like the first thing I really was latched on to was like astronaut or like president of the United States sort of thing. Uh, I didn't really think about working in games at all. Like, honestly, I even went to college studying architecture. So anything on like broadcast or gaming side didn't come until what? Honestly, until I got to college. So spent time in university and... Really quickly, I understood that I had a renewed and newfound passion for games in a way that I hadn't had them before. So I've been gaming since I was little, like literally as long as I can remember, I've been playing video games. But the thing that sort of kept me away from pursuing them was I didn't know if I'd love it the same way. If it's like day in, day out, I'm reviewing games or writing about games, that was initially sort of what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into like games journalism or sort of like games media side of things. But then I did realize like, okay, I do love this. And what right after I got out of high school, I think is when I really understood that I love competitive call of duty. So from like then on, I do remember I was working on a project and we are essentially getting ready for like a business pitch, Right. And so I'm in the middle of this. We're all like trying to figure this out and everything. And I cannot look away from MLG Anaheim. Like I'm just locked on, just glued to the screen. It's like uh, such as such like, oh, wait, what'd you say sort of thing? Because I'm just locked in on this sort of it. So I think at that point was when I'm like, I love competitive Call of Duty. I love video games. I think I can work in them. That then affected my time in college, which is then more like, I like this more than I like architecture so i kind of want to do this a bit more and of course hurt my studies but there's also other stuff that went on at that time too but then it became sort of actually by kind of force so for anyone that doesn't know back in like 2015 so the advanced warfare season for call of duty MLG was running things at the time, had a search for new Call of Duty commentators. It was called the cast off. So a lot of faces that people are very familiar with now, like Chance and Lando and Fox and everything, even Dirk, who's now moved over to NBA 2K, a lot of us sort of came up through there. If you go back, I know I'm going to mention this and he'll probably hate me for it. Roger was on that show too. Never forget that Roger was on that show. Okay, so that was sort of when i had my first actual go with like commentating because i was really focused on like youtube so i was a practice live speaker i was trying to do youtube videos and everything like i watch competitive call duty all the time i keep up with everything i'm like watching the esr every day i was like i'm gonna give this a shot and did way better than i expected and somehow some way what six months after the show i find myself going to my first event at the x games in texas and since then it's been competitive Call of Duty. Okay.
0: Obviously, you talk about going from architecture to jumping into competitive Call of Duty. I'm guessing that was helped by your broadcast media arts.
1: Actually, that came afterwards. Funny enough. So what I started in all the commentary in what around 2017. So Advanced Warfare, Black Ops 3, traveling know events here and there, MLG, UMG, doing a lot of stuff online. And then comes 2017 or infant warfare i'm not invited to any events so i'm doing a lot of stuff online from home doing a variety of online leaks and everything and just furthering my understanding of broadcasts in general and trying to improve more so as a commentator but within that i'm like you know there's a local school nearby that's really good at teaching people about film and tv and radio I'm really interested in this space. I can go there and even further my learning. And that's really what kicked off my studies at Specs Howard. And I actually really, really enjoyed my time there. Uh, Looking back on it, I think it was a great experience. And since then, funny enough, I actually had to end that a little early. So still finish the program, everything. But with, I want to say with like a month left is when I got the call from MLG to start observing CWLS, And this was after the first two events of the year. So I'd already done a little observing within call of duty, but this was for like going to Columbus relocating there temporarily to go to pro league for the first time. And I think miles sort of had like a similar feeling. It's like, Oh, this is it. Right. Sort of thing. And I'm like, yo, school, I have this amazing opportunity. It's within broadcast. Please let me do this last month remotely. Cause I have to go in like three days. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, they were okay with it. I was going no matter what, just to be completely honest. But thankfully, that that call came through. And I'm really, really happy with the time I spent in school studying broadcast because I think it's done nothing but help me since.
0: I I can completely agree because it's just those little things that you do that kind of you'll always take on. You'll always Mm -hmm. have that bit of kind of thinking in the back of your head you'll remember back to it no matter what it'll always be there but it must have been quite different from winning season two of the cast off to then being an observer because yeah you're, you've gone from the front of the camera to kind of a role which is very appreciated but not enough credit is given really
1: yeah so honestly so back when i was really commentating the casters would normally do a lot of the observing duties like at the same time. So try to figure out everything. So I knew like the ins and outs of like, what to look for in the game. But when you take that, and I guess the first real experience was back then we'd have like on some of the side stages, like, okay, it's me, chance, Lando, Fox, or it's some combination of like the four of us or even Dirk is there as well. And we had two people casting, like, yo, one of the other guys, if you're not paying attention to open record, one of the main things, can you drive Codcaster so we can like focus on this? So, I was already very familiar and then ins and outs, all the online stuff. I would keep up with everything that was going on. So the transition was easy from like knowing what to look for in game. But when there's a huge difference than like when you're doing it at the same time to when you are solely focused on observing, you can really hone in on the narrative aspects of it. And this is something that took me even a couple of months to really understand. I think if people go back and look from like, World War II Dallas, so like halfway through the start of the first Pro League for that season in World War II, like there was definitely a different way I was kind of going about things that's only, that's changed, just like with learnings, with more looking into things, like reviewing video, which is still something that is absolutely, you just need to do, right, so that transition like in game everything was cool but the technical aspects i was like okay this is way too fast this is a bit too slow why are we here instead of there so yeah it's it was very very different and then even just being from hi like welcome to the stream everything to like sitting in the room i don't have to have a suit on like this is kind of cool but I will say there was always that like, ah, I kind of still want to be like, cause this remember this is like me fresh out of broadcast school too. Right. So it's like, oh, I have all this newfound knowledge. Like I'm eager to get back in there sort of thing, but it was always, it never took away from like what I was doing. Anytime I walk into that control room, it's like, I'm here to do this job and I'm going to do the best job. I absolutely can today for this match, for this match, for that match. And that's still a mentality I bring every single day.
0: And I'm glad you do because you do a cracking job and I'm sure it's appreciated throughout the Call of Duty community but like I say, when when you think about the commentators and you having to drive at the same time, there's one moment that I think is 2015 champs, I might be completely wrong but it's when Fwiz came back for year, uh, the champs and he's like oh, da, 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 and he's kind of freaking out on the spot because he's having to do it all in one go and I think he might have been with Maven or something like that but it just shows how important that role is and how Mm -hmm. important to the fact that there's not just you, is there? Yeah, so
1: I think even watch like some of that event within the past year or so, because like even the rest of the CDLs are routine now, will like go back and look at old stuff and just think of how things could have been changed or just fun exercises and just really fun reminiscing too. But it is really different because even going from what World War II and Black Ops 4 like a one-person observer setup, technically. So, for part of World War II, we had two, because we would they beat the great people at Peenox. I will always shout them out whenever I can. Uh, they do a lot of work on Codcaster, and one of the big things that came through in the World War II season was the aerial camera. So, being able to follow the action from the above perspective, just like the whole top down thing, was really cool. And it was something that could be used to, hey, in post game, let's look at how this hardpoint break happened. Let's look at how this search and destroy setup came about. So, we initially, for a lot of the open events, actually had two people. So, there'd be me focused on everything just in the game, but we'd have that backup aerial if needed for some other things and for like post-game and everything so even going from like just me observing to now we have a team of six people has been crazy as well because then you sort of divvy up and it's like I don't have to be responsible for everything but yeah like at least going back to like commentary and driving then to now it's you really have to be mindful because you're sort of like your co-pilot isn't sitting next to you in the same way, right? Like you sort of are controlling the conversation when you're casting and observing at the same time. Whereas now we're separate. Like we're not actively talking to each other. We sort of you pick up on things, right? There's a lot of like okay, Merc is gonna say this now, right? Chance really goes for this. Miles is going to want to see this sort of thing. But it's always like we're on the same page without communicating kind of because we all understand the game.
0: Obviously, you mentioned you focus on certain parts, but alongside you, you say there's six people. What other roles would they kind of carry out?
1: Yeah, so I love I love our team, by the way. Just absolute, just great people. I love to call them my friends, and I'm very honored to work with them day in and day out. So first we have Xavier, who's our director, and he's technically the observer for CDL as well. So his focus on a, like during a match is actually managing and cutting the way a traditional TD would operate, right? A traditional director, a traditional TD rolled into one. So he's making the switches between the different observer feeds and sort of making sure, hey, we need this happening. It's a lot more like, because if people are watching this from like traditional media and like broadcast backgrounds, a lot of what's happening is the director calling out to the camera if you listen to our comms, even like the roll call, right? It's a lot of the opposite. It's like, hey, I got this here, got this here, like got this ready, sort like the communication goes upward instead of like down. Granted, it happens both ways, right? But there's a lot more focus of us calling to him more than instances of like him calling to us or if he's calling us, it's like, are you ready? Sort of thing, right? Uh, so Lovex, absolutely great guy. Um, so then I'm focused on first person observing only now. And then next to me is normally Waldo, who is also focused on first-person observing, how we'll divvy it up. It's like, I'll handle one team, he handles the other. right? So then it's a lot less to manage. We're able to focus in more on one team. Then we have two dedicated free cameras. Uh, Traditionally, that is the cleaner, Pat. I love you. Uh, And then uh, Prosper, John Prosper, has done a lot of free cam work as well over the years. And then we have Shane, uh, who is also... So what Shane and John will do, their references flexes in the roll call if you watch, they will handle both. So depending on the mode and situation, they'll either be handling free camp or be an additional first person observer for whatever's needed. So then in in situations like in Search and Destroy, you have a 1v3 we can capture and make sure we have all of those ready to go at a moment's notice. And then, of course, that helps if there are any unforeseen technical issues that come up as well. So it can help cover us there.
0: They must have been some kind of agreement or technical issue that made things difficult during COVID. Because as fun as it all has been, I'm guessing the management of working from home was completely different to, like you say, going into the control room, sitting next to Waldo, Prosper, anybody like that? Because I don't know how it works for, from your end, but I'm assuming, like you say, with X kind of uh, probably sitting there with a vision mixer, just pressing buttons, taking the feeds in. Do you do you stream them over Discord? Is it anything kind of like that?
1: Well, it's not over Discord. Uh, the great team at Ithaca Blizzard Esports really... Took I uh, they took a lot of time, like those that entire team worked really hard in that early transition from what well, I think we had probably three weeks maybe off the air. I want to say between the Los Angeles home series in 2020 and like when we were back, it might have felt like longer and it might have actually been maybe a month or so when you like test and everything, but they got that system up really, really fast, and we've even changed systems since. But Uh, A lot of that has really just been us sending the feeds into whatever's being used. I believe like vMix has been used before in other instances and there've been other systems as well, but we're sending the feeds through. We have our own multi-view that we're able to look at so we can keep track of not only what's going out the program, but what the other observers are looking at as well and making sure that, hey, if Pat's going in towards accuracy, right? That one of like either Waldo or I, whoever's covering that team, is on accuracy. So then it's a smooth transition. You have that point of reference in the free camera shot that you're then on in the first person. So you don't feel lost in the action. Right. But challenges in working from home, absolutely. I mean, like what you get hit with internet spikes, power outages, like someone coming through on Discord sound like a robot. It's like, we can't hear you. Like, this is really important. I think for the most part, it's definitely been smooth, but there have been some interesting challenges. And I really like anytime we can always sit together in the same room is going to be better. Right. Like it's always a lot of fun. So like Cold War chance 2021. It was great to like be back in. We have a B unit. So like there's the traditional there's regular production truck, then there's a secondary one that houses our team. And it's just like custom built. We have monitors literally everywhere. But Being able to sit next to Waldo it's like, yo, fist bump or like look down. It's like, yo, what's up, John? Like all of that is just, it's better and it definitely helps our chemistry. So anytime we're in person, I always definitely prefer it over being online.
0: If you had to, not saying you would ever leave Call of Duty, but is there a game that you would love to observe or just even watch?
1: I've thought about this a fair amount over the years. Initially, from like the commentary side of things, when I wasn't getting as much big work in Call of Duty, I thought of like moving over to like a Rainbow Six or something. Was uh, something I was looking into at one point. But from the observing side, I don't really think I've thought of it very much. Obviously, everyone in the FPS space, at least from like the big three, I would say of console FPS, is really tuned in on what Halo's doing and how HCS is evolving and growing. But I don't know if I've ever thought about like shifting over and doing other games very much. If there was one, I'd have to pick. I don't know. Like I'm really interested in what's happening in Valorant. Not saying I got to move over there, but just as a study, just looking at hey, from CSGO, this is a lot of learnings that were had towards this new game. All of these things, all these operators and everything, especially coming from the background I have with like dealing with specialists in Call of Duty, seeing that has been very, very interesting for me as an observer to like see how that challenge is handled somewhere else. Because I think we figured out, I think we figured out pretty well in Call of Duty. To see other games tackling that, I think is really interesting. And hmm, outside of that, I mean. Halo would be fun. I know Waldo, Shane, and Pat all have Gears of War backgrounds. They were, what, Cleaner and Waldo were talent and observers in Gears of War for a long time, and Shane also did some observing Gears of War as well. Also, Shane is the one that caught the only 1v5 in competitive Call of Duty history. Just saying. I will all, This that was great. For His first event Call of Duty 2. Granted, wow. it's a 1v, but it's always really cool to, to shout him out for that especially that was being his first event um but like seeing those different backgrounds even xavier has a halo background so we're kind of like a mesh of the big three console esports in a way too for observer team um but me personally i i've been a cod kid since i was 13 14 right like modern warfare 2 is my first call of duty and since then i've been interested in other things competitively but like my my main game's always been cod
0: Um, you you speak about how you've been focused in it since you were 13 14 but where do you see yourself in a year do you see yourself you've recently moved do you see yourself still in that same space or where where (laughs) so at least
1: from a career perspective i I kind of feel like maybe like maybe gives this answer like i'm gonna be casting till i'm 60 sort of thing or like i'm gonna be 80 years old still like yelling during games right like until the day comes that I'm not nervous before a grand final of an event or a really important match, I'm still be doing this, I feel like. I, it's just way too much fun for me. It's way too interesting. And it's something that a lot of people get caught up in doing the same thing every day, right? So, and I'm one of those people. I doing the same thing day in, day out really, like, gets me down. But – having that structure where technically I'm doing the same thing, but the challenge is always different day to day keeps me going in a way. So, and the nervousness comes not from like, Oh my God, what's going to happen. But like, because I care, like I want us to always put out the best product possible. So until the day comes where it's like, yo, it's optic verse phase. I'm just sitting here just like feet kicked (laughs) off, just relaxed, like, oh, wait, what, map one's over sort of thing? Nah, until that day comes and even I'll probably even know before then, like that would be my time to get out. But I'll say happening within the next couple of years, at least personally, unless something happens and, you know, I'm forced to change. But if any change did happen, I'd always love to move over to be like a broadcast producer or like broadcast director or something along those lines or still be even move back over to the talent side right so i still want to be involved in broadcast some way if i'm not observing
0: i completely understand that because like you say with your background with how it's it's been throughout multiple years you've always been focused on providing content for other people but if you had to choose a particular call of duty or a particular few teams because we won't cause favorites um, what kind of few teams would it be, or which kind of Call of Duty would it be?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Because even Proster and I will go back, because like, yo, what if like current optic in current phase like played in Black Ops Three or something like that, and just like how interesting that would look, mm. right? Um, Such to watch. Jeez, there's so many teams like rosters going through my head, honestly. Hmm, I'd really love to see, I want like a chess match of sorts, right? So that's where I, I'm really focused. I really love like the strategy side of things. So I'm trying to think like who I'd put complexity up against. Like if there are any current like 4v4 teams I really love. Honestly, complexity versus. Serrano Ultra might be pretty interesting. Like past Cold War season, Toronto Ultra versus Complexity, just because I want to see, like, what that match would result in. Because Complexity was so far ahead of so many other teams. Like, that entire dynasty was very good. And something that always stood out was their teamwork. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and watch Toronto from this last season, there are so many instances where it's like, how in the world did they just make this work? Or, like, that was beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Like, Like, a piece of art right? Just, like, the way that team was able to move together and stay on top of things during the game. So, like, obviously, that would be cool. Obviously, current Atlanta phase, and you put them against some of the juggernauts Call called it history, it'd be great, too, right? But, yeah, I, I kind of just want to see, like, what Toronto Ultra be able to do, like, throughout other games and just see how they'd stack up, because they ran into a real tough test in Atlanta phase, and I just want to see, like, outside of that, like, what else would they be able to do? Like, who can they hang with?
0: Uh, yeah, I I I'd completely agree. But then there's also, as soon as you said complexity and Toronto Ultra, I was like, back then, back in that kind of era, it was, we're the best NA team. Yeah. The EU can't stand against us. And I think at the point where you say Cold War, Toronto Ultra, with some of the stuff that they did that year, which obviously yourself and the team managed to capture... It would be interesting seeing prime complexity with either Karma or Clay yeah, um, against the EU boys. But it's. You've picked out complexity in Toronto Ultra, but if you had to make a team out of the behind the scenes team to go up against, maybe just. We've seen it <laughs> somewhat as a joke or kind of tongue in cheek for the war zone um, at night that there was with like Maven and everybody. But if you had to put a caster or broadcast team in the CDL, who would you put and why?
1: So if I'm going, if I'm taking like just from our CDL observer team, then I'll probably just, we like the guys play a lot of Warzone, So if I'm included in the group of four, it's probably like me prosper Pat plays a ton of Warzone so he'd be included and then honestly I think we're good with whoever the fourth is whether it be X, Shane, or uh geez Waldo sorry I don't (laughs) I didn't forget your name Waldo (laughs) but yeah I I don't know because like we've even done some Warzone stuff that's gotten really interesting before too even like running into each other and like solo challenges and stuff it's been fun um I'm trying to think who would give us the best shot in... I genuinely think if, like, that core three is, like, me, prosper, cleaner, with the chemistry that our team has, like, I think any combination of the four would be really good to have. I know it's a cop-out answer and everything, but I genuinely think when it comes to, like, a traditional multiplayer, if we're, like, going into a game against a team, then it's probably me, prosper, I think it depends on the game, because if it's 5v5 modern warfare, I'm definitely picking Pat. Like for sure, his MP5 was disgusting. Although he plays at like breakneck speed. Like you think of him, he's moving at the same speed as like simp and a peasy at times. Jeez, like, just holding forward. Uh yeah, so I think us three X was really good at MW. And I didn't Shane's technically the one I would have to kind of leave out just because he wasn't on the team yet during that season. But Cold War, Shane was a great main AR. Like, just absolutely, it was great to have him, especially just, like, going into League play and playing. It was always a lot of fun.
0: I can bet it allows you to, like, learn some strategies from learning, say, FaZe is playing Optic, and obviously there's not every single feed that's going to be played, but then you take some points of Scump's play against Simp that we may not see, but you've noticed that and noted it down yourself. I bet... There's some of the stuff you must see which we don't would be incredible.
1: Oh, there's been some spots over the years that's like, (laughs) wait a second. Like, yo, like, League Play tonight? Like, we're using this sort of thing. Um, Trying to think of any that were really good within the past couple of years that I can't necessarily put my finger on at the moment.
0: The one that sticks out in my head, sorry to interrupt, is uh, the Insight one through the tree on Raid.
1: Yes, that was actually really interesting.
0: (laughs) What was it like from I'm guess, were you driving uh, Toronto oh. Ultra at that point when you first found it?
1: I can't remember, but I do remember just like a collective like, oh that's that's cool Like we're using that sort of thing <laughs> or like you know just make sure like going forward like if someone's using this like we're there um, there's been some lineups and stuff that's happened like okay. Here's one, it, it's not a, like a gun to kill, but Envoy's nade on Arcloth Peak, Modern Warfare season, just like goes all the way across the map. I'm trying to remember one of us were on it. It might've been me just like seeing him throw the nades, like, like this is going to hit, like this is actually going to work. Obviously we we're like with the speed of the game and all that and how fast the cut would have had to be. It wouldn't have really worked on the broadcast side, but that was when it was like, Yep, like late round situation. Like we go in, we go on the CDL playlist, we're using that. Um and of course, then there's like the times where you're caught off guard by some of these spots too, where it's like, wait, what spot did he just use? Because I mean, try as much as we can. Like, there are always things these players will go find and figure out that's like we even be new to us who so are like trying to sit there and constantly watch scrims and keep up. Right. But yeah, there definitely been something even like plays over the years that have just not made broadcast that were just like, yo, like, did you see what he just did? Sort of thing. It's all it's always a lot of fun when stuff like that happens when it does make broadcast. Of course, it's frustrating because you want you want everyone to see it. But it is always fun, especially if it comes out afterwards and everyone's able to enjoy it.
0: If you like you say, you spend a lot of time watching scrims watching anything that may not even be broadcasted. It may just be a kind of mess-around session um, in Codcaster. Over time, you must have spent many, many hours, but what does your, whether it be, let's say, what does your major day look like? Is it busy?
1: So... I guess right now, and so there's probably three different times to even look at what a regular day for us looks like. There's our broadcast day, there's like our traditional office day, and then there's like right now, which is sort of preseason or leading up early season sort of day. As of like right now, it's really a lot of figuring out strategies, keeping up with the teams, paying attention to scrims, making sure everyone's on the same page with stuff like callouts. Of course, there's always, like, yo, let's load in, like, play, figure all of this out, like, firsthand, too. Um, During... I want to say, like, during, like, midseason, then you start to get, like, okay, there's some ops work, whether it be, and, of course, there's the meetings and everything thrown in, too, or it's like, oh, make sure we have this on the docket for VOD review later. We want to take a look at this. We want to take a look at that. And our VOD review will span from our regular CDL matches. Last year, we also handled, or I will say, Shane did a great job, and there was also, uh, no, yeah, I brought on a good friend of mine, Kyle, or Zim. Uh, handled a lot of challengers and Call of Duty Mobile. So those were even within those VOD sessions, like, okay, here's what we did in CDL, here's what happened in challengers, here's what happened in mobile and figure out differences between all of them, especially within our observant philosophy. And then it's like, okay, this works here. This is what we wanna improve on here. For challengers, this wanna improve on. For mobile, this is what should be improved on here as well. So that's also been really cool. And I always love our Bot Review sessions. We try to make sure we, if we can't watch every match back and some of us still do like on our own time, like as a group, we will handpick three, four, five, and just try to go over as many as we can and talk everything out. Even stuff like, oh, we made this decision. What was that for? Instead of like going here or there. It's always good, really good stuff. As far as like a broadcast day, it's a lot of technical side of things. Okay, game's up, settings are right, here's who's playing today. And then if we have time, especially in like a work from home environment, it's let's load into a game really quick, make sure our communication's up, like play together, like make sure that communication is solid, because that's always going to keep us in check during the broadcast itself, right? So it's a lot of make sure we're talking to each other, make sure we're listening to each other, make sure you're checking the multi view. Okay, we have a bot lobby up, this is going, this needs to be changed. Hey, what do we think about this? And just even fun, just case studies, like going back, reviewing old bots, a lot of time, even before champs, it's like, okay, let's look at past champs, see what's happened. Even just from the broadcast side, if there are any notes that we want to give, hey, this was done, back then like during this is there any reason like this is happening here sort of thing and even a lot of this is just with between ourselves it's like okay this is really cool this is really cool um i appreciate the way this was done that's done i would use specific examples but nothing's really like coming to me at the moment but i think last year we went we went back and watched every single call of duty championship grand final before the cold war championship weekend not like the entire tournament, but like we'd pick... Maybe sometimes there was like a winner's final match, but every every grand final definitely went through all of them. That was a lot of fun.
0: Now I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Which one was your favorite?
1: Ooh. What a of champs grand finals. <laughs> Cold War is kind of a hard one. to. Say. I kind of want to say... I want to say Cold War and I don't want to say Cold War. Because... Obviously, I kind of wanted to see that one go all the way like that would have been really, really cool, but hmm. I will say nothing will beat my hmm. If there's an event I'd want to do over really quick, it would be the Black Ops 3 Championship because I was there casting on like a bunch of the side stations. That's one I would love, like, go back in time and just, like, review my performance, by the way. Outside of that, observing side or just watching, favorite. Hmm. I really love the story of Black Ops 4, especially that one went all the way to like, game five, almost went to that second best of five. Of course, nothing will beat how I felt at World War II, my first one observing, but I think Black Ops 4 was a, a really good one, especially between the United and 100 Thieves.
0: I can completely agree because it was an absolute thriller. Um, You've got many, many badges and passes on the door behind you. If you had to bring an event to a new area outside of a franchise, where would it be and why?
1: My initial answer is my hometown, Detroit, Michigan. I would love for a great event to be here uh outside of that hmm i start just want to visit and go for an event it's a really really good question because some of mine have been like cross off now i'm a big fan of city of seattle we've been there uh non-cdl since but like previously like special world war two season we got to go Hmm, i'd never been to minneapolis that one was cool i've never been to a boss to boston so you know Honestly, this even came. Out, I didn't even think about it in the moment. <laughs> that would be really cool since I just haven't been to Boston. Outside of that, uh, who? I know a lot of places now. Maybe like going to Oakland or like San Francisco, like NorCal. I think that'd be pretty fun to do. Yeah,
0: I, I can imagine that it would be. But let's think even further out of America. We see. Oh, okay. Um, the the asian community tearing it up on call of duty mobile imagine what that would have been like if it was on vanguard this year um would it be somewhere like china japan or i'm not not sure if you've been to the uk would it be the copper box arena in london or anywhere like paris where would if anywhere
1: okay anywhere anywhere one Nothing beats that UK crowd in the copper box. Oh man, I was I was so happy the first time I got to go and experience that for myself. That was that was great. Also a really cool event, Black Ops 4, like Tommy and the crowd going back and forth, everything. That that was a lot of fun. Um I've never been to Japan, so I kind of want to say going there, but I don't want to disrespect the the Australia scene anyway, any that too, like the NZ region, the whole thing. So like going to Australia would be really, really dope and seeing all the talent there would be really cool to have an event for yeah
0: um with with mind freak and all the teams like that that have been through the open bracket throughout the years in cwl i'm surprised there's not an australian um kind of franchise but i guess if we maybe see the league expand over the next few years with the new plans that have been announced Mm -hmm. because obviously there's now a challenger to um cdl kind of rivalry that's been even more formed which was interestingly linked by censor um but (laughs) i'm hoping that it'll lead to more development but if you had to i'm guessing if you had to choose you would put a franchise in michigan
1: i would love to yeah that would that would mean a lot to me just because i'm from here born and raised went to Mm -hmm. college like Michigan is like specifically Detroit is my home and forever will be. I know I always got like a little back and forth, with, like Pac-Man. did see me tweeting about like, cause I so far all the Detroit sports teams and everything is like, I'm tweeting about like the tigers or something. It's like, yo, your daughter's fan. i like, never like, no, like the tigers, the lions, the pistons, the red wings, those are my teams and forever will be. And if there is a con team that comes to Detroit at some point, obviously I can't play favorites, but like, those are my guys.
0: What would you name it? Ooh.
1: I suck with team names. I really do. Um... Hmm. Hmm.
0: Michigan Mayhem.
1: Yeah, but could you do that? With, like, Because Mayhem's taken like Overwatch. Right? So, like Florida. Hmm.
0: <laughs> Just relocate the mutineers. There we go. <laughs> 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 um. No, but... If you had to kind of predict the top four this Vanguard season, or maybe give me winners, underdogs, anybody like that. Obviously, 12th league spot team, not fully announced yet. But let's kind of guess what would and yeah. predict. Because Pickham was an insightful experience last year. Let's talk about it now. Why not? We haven't even started, but let's do it. kickoff classic <laughs> soon. But let's do it.
1: Also, pick was also a fun thing. Like on broadcasts, like, yo, make sure you do your pick like pick check everything. Uh, it's hard to root against the Atlanta phase being in the top four for sure this season, right? Dude, I think, if you don't say that, then like, are we looking at the same game? Um, it's also really hard to vote against Optic Texas right now with just the way that squad is, obviously, optic traditionally are very good at the start of games. I hope it keeps up, especially for that fan base for the rest of the year. And they definitely have the talent to do so, right? Um, Outside of those two, Toronto Ultra have laid a very solid foundation, and I'm excited to see what they can build on going into this year. If that results in top four Here's my thing. They're set to be a top four team this year without a doubt, right? Even if the early season doesn't go their way, I think by mid to late season, they should have some form. But you also have this Los Angeles Thieves team that have some absolutely fantastic pieces right now that I expect. I think this is the year we. Ah, man, I really hope this doesn't come back to bite me. I hope this is the year we see the Thieves team like everyone wanted to see last year, right? Because it felt like they were sort of trapped in that fifth, sixth area, could potentially punch up, but they really weren't able to do so, right? And honestly, if the pieces are there, then like LA Gorillas would be an interesting story this year, too, right? Like you have Gunless Slasher, who can assume, like, that's a team I really want to keep a close eye on as the season goes on. But I think right now this is shaping up to be one of the better competitive seasons, at least on paper, right? Like you look at the way some of these teams have changed in the off season, where they can go, what their sort of skill ceiling is, or I'll use everyone's favorite word, like potential, right? Um, the, on paper, this is a really spicy season to look at, and I can't wait to get it started, honestly.
0: I can. Completely agree because, like you say, you've got the alley gorillas, which f- for some reason just managed to form subliners. Managed to form, which yeah, subliners. Awesome. I didn't even mean to forget
1: them. Like, geez, sorry.
0: <laughs> I, really you off. I think it's at the point where any team could be classed as an underdog because realistically, every team's so good. Like, obviously, we don't know the Boston team so far, or. As much as it's hinted left, right and centre, it's yeah. not been officially confirmed by the league. But like you say, you've got the reunite, reuniting of Clay and Krim. You've got um, Skump and Dashi combining with Illy and Shotzi. You've got Phase staying as a team. Um, Toronto Ultra staying as a team, but then picking up sub-players, which will also ha- allow them to grow. It's just crazy, because although Optic lost a big player in Envoy, Envoy's now on arguably a stronger team with Octane and it's, there's fours it's a team against, that can rival them. yeah, yeah exactly, but <sighs> who's your underdog? Ooh, Ooh. It's that one
1: <laughs> There shouldn't be a this team shouldn't be an underdog, but I think Toronto still have like that underdog look from the community Right, like I don't think enough people give them the credit that they deserve for what they did this past year. Um, so I feel like that's a team, like I said, they they should not be, but they technically kind of are. And outside of that, probably your know, LA Guerrillas are still like an underdog. I'd look at them at least right now. Um, a team I'm really interested to see as well will be Florida and how a lot of those. Pieces come together. That's a really, really young team, and I want to see what they're what they're able to do. Um, hmm. And I really did not mean to forget Subwriters, because and Clay back together is, that's going to be real fun to watch, especially with Hydra and Neptune there. Um,
0: it's it's going to be outstanding. I think if I had to throw a team in on behalf of us, I'd probably say. Paris, Legion. Why not? Um, Ooh,
1: Paris, yeah.
0: Because you've got Decimate, Temp, uh, John and Fellow, I think I believe. Yes. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting squad. And hopefully with John fully being back with a league spot paired with Temp, Hope we, we don't know what we're going to see, but maybe that'll be the team. But let's round it all up and... We've spoken about a lot, but as someone who has kind of understood it all, been through it all, been through lots of Call of Duty games, got degrees, has a breadth of knowledge about it all, what's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody, whether they're getting into the media, getting into Call of Duty, commentating Call of Duty, or anything just like that?
1: I think the best advice I could give to anyone, like trying to pursue this or just look even outside of esports, just general advice. I think one thing that's always helped me is sort of like uh always just always put your best foot forward. One, but like if you see something that you want to do, just try it. Right. Like you never know what's going to happen. I was sitting on my couch in my dorm and university just thinking if I should apply for the cast off and I think with like 20 minutes left my friend was sitting next to me She was like just send in the app like I'd already done like the voiceover like everything's there it's really just like do I want to do this sort of thing like am I good enough to like even try to do this and she's like just like what are you talking about just do it and I think that's the as simple as it sounds and I think it gets even overplayed a bit like if there's something you're interested in, just try it or look into it. Just do it. Even If it's casting, like load into a series of aids, go through Codcaster, record yourself going over it, see if someone can review it, right? If you're observing and trying to figure out like, hey, what should I be looking for here or there? Like record it, look back, even reach out, ask people, even like us, right? Like just try it and you never know what can come from it.